Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Two Dabs Podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Booth, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Mikey Towie. How you doing, dude? Good, man. How are you? I'm pretty good. We had some some good old prime rib, good time, prime rib Christmas dinner the other night. That was... Uh, Merry Christmas! <laughs> that was real good. It's good to uh, have you, dude. It was, yeah. it was happy Christmas. It was nice having you. It was good times. Happy holidays. Thank you for the gift. Just so everyone knows, Michael got me a wrench. But I got not him a just, pipe wrench. Not just any wrench. A fucking supreme wrench. <laughs> I found this pipe wrench on <laughs> Supreme's website, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> so I can be the most hype beast plumber in, <laughs> all of the, in all of the land. Hype pipes. <laughs> How worried would you be if the guy who showed up to fix your pipes owned more Supreme than I did? <laughs> would you be excited uh, or concerned? I'd respect the hustle. You know, I mean, dude is, dude is a hype beast and he's plumbing. You know what I mean? I'm concerned. It concerns me. I'm concerned that he's more worried about (laughs) this Thursday's drop versus fixing my pipes. That's (laughs) no, dude. The water's running, so he could be fucking out there hyped up. No, no, the water's not running. That's why he's here. He's here to fix it. (laughs) And he's dripping more than my own faucets. I've got more drip than your kitchen sink. That's his motto. <laughs> his That's plumbing company's awesome. just called Came Through Drippin'. Came Through Drippin'. <laughs> we stopped the drip in your house, but not on my goddamn Not on self. the streets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> May not be dripping in your house, but it's fucking Dri- dripping out dripping. here. <laughs> We'd be fucking leaking. We'd be fucking leaking. Rusty faucets he's out like, here. He's like John Coffey from Green Mile. He just comes in and like absorbs all the drip in your house, and he just keeps becoming more and more hype. <laughs> he's just iced. He just turns into Flava Flav. He fixes a pipe, and a fucking Supreme fanny pack just goes just right across. <laughs> It just appears. That'd be so sick, actually. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tears. Tears in my eyes. <laughs> no, but seriously, thank you. Thank you for the yeah. wrench. Yeah, and Mikey uh, Mikey hooked it up with some 710 Labs flour. I guess some marshmallow OG. Some real nice some real nice stuff. I was really happy. Thank you for, thank you for hooking it up, dude. Um yeah, it's so funny trying you to, got here. Trying you to got smoke here. it all. <laughs> you got your Christmas day that I, you like cracked it open and just ripped a whole bowl of it to yourself, and I just didn't hear from you for like twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, "This is good stuff." You're like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> You're like, <laughs> "Like, how you doing, man?" <laughs> you just walked in. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, well, dude, should we? Uh, should we start it off? Should we should we rip should we rip some Let's yeah, let's let's commence. I need to heat let's up. Commence? Yeah. Okay, well he's right heating now. up. Uh I would like to mention that uh we might do an in person recording soon. Might do a New Year's I know we said we were gonna do it last time, but 
Dude, just got too. There's just too much prime rib. There was too too much going on. We just couldn't do it. So, yeah, we might yeah. might do an in person sesh uh, on New Year's, which would be cool. Yeah, we're thinking about it. We keep talking about it. We're gonna do it. We keep planning on it. What always ends up happening is we attach it to some sort of big meal that also always has drinks, and then we smoke. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you know, after you've eaten. 16 ounces of red meat and you've had two or three <laughs> alcoholic beverages and you've also smoked a thousand dabs you know <laughs> sometimes you're just not to. feeling super sharp you're feeling rather dull you know yeah and you would notice it too if we recorded well <laughs> 100 percent. yeah it'd be a bad time see i am i'm actually smoking on that uh flower that mikey got me for the holidays it actually smells it's like a you said uh it kind of smelled like marshmallow and i kind of get that too but then it has like this sour it's like a, it's like a it's like a uh, marsh like a lucky charms marshmallow interesting that's kind of what i got like if they had like a sour version that sounds which would that be sounds weird really weird but i understand where you're going with that i feel like kids might be into it these days you know like yeah it's true kids lucky charms weird times shit, dude. lucky charms times sour patch kids all like, right here we go Too. You got it. Smoke it. <coughs> uh, I get every every single single little bit. Every single little bit. There you Whoa. go. Whoa. <coughs> All right. So I wanted to start off the podcast by talking about something. That <coughs> I found online that I thought was really <coughs> funny, and I wanted to get your take on it, Mikey. Uh, of course. has to do with beloved actress Jennifer Aniston. The queen. She kind of is receiving some heat as of late. How, what possibly she, for? She's an angel. What could she possibly have done? <laughs> she posted uh, on Instagram. I think it was in her stories. She has an ornament that she put on her tree that says, Our First Pandemic 2020. <laughs> like... Okay, okay, okay. Hold on, hold on. You know, like our, like our first Christmas. You know, like uh, <coughs> ornament you get when you have like a baby. Uh-huh. Yeah, it says Our First Pandemic 2020. And she's just getting lit up online for it. What? And I'm assuming it's and people are people are kind of on both sides, and so I I I think it's funny that like I just it would it's just like a thing that you can't make up, you know? Like yeah. I was I was reading I was looking through the headlines and stuff, and I saw this, and I was like, what? And yeah, 
that's honestly okay well first off i'm not surprised that people are getting upset with her at all i think it's mm-hmm. actually hilarious that's a hilarious ornament mm-hmm. and it's, it's like it's not it's just like this nice like it looks like it's wooden uh like it's just a wooden like circle and it's like carved yeah. in there it's not it's not like it's like a it would be funnier if it was like a repurposed like, mask it looks like it was or if it looked like just a mask on there yeah or if it was uh, like the COVID, um, like oh the mo- the, the molecular mo- mo- yeah yeah the yeah, molecule or whatever yeah itself if, if it looked like the that that would itself. be funnier but uh, <laughs> yeah she's just getting lit up people are just uh, people are going after her for it some of the comments are like um, Jennifer Aniston is a damn fool for posting that ornament on her story celebrities are ditzy as fuck. Uh, cheers it's to just our first so pandemic where millions of people died. Let's celebrate that on Christmas. Oh, um, my gosh. Somebody else said. Man, dude, people are just so ready to be angry. Oh, yeah. Huge. Like, so ready to be upset. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I, I, I don't know. I mean, a huge it's clearly a joke, just like, right? It's clearly a joke. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know if it's a joke or if she just, like, miss. It's like, does she just misread? It has to be a joke. It has to be a joke. There's no. It could be. A jo- she hasn't come forward and said she was kidding or not. Nobody said anything. Poor Jennifer Aniston. She's an angel. There's nothing wrong. Uh, other people are coming to her side, saying the actress was merely making a momentous year and like marking a momentous year in history. So she was trying to like make an ornament that was about 2020, just kind of missed the mark or something. Oh my god! I don't and know. People are just like. I thought over. it was funny. Yeah, I think it's. To just do it that way, our first pandemic. Like, there's going to be, like, like you're going to have, like, 10 years down the road, you're going to have more. And you're going to be like, remember the first one, you know? Like, remember remember the, the remember COVID? Remember when it was just COVID? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I understand where uh, where people are coming from. But at the same time, it's just. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it's just everyone's. It's just it's a shame that, you know, someone like Jennifer Aniston, who's basically, like, stayed out of the. She's just like she got done with friends and she's done a few things since then. And she's just been hot and just hot and Jennifer Aniston forever. Yep. You know? Leave her alone, okay? Yeah, she's she's been in some good movies. <laughs> Leave she's Britney like, alone. Uh, wasn't she what's that one movie where she's like the dentist that's trying to Oh, don't ask me a single thing about movies. I think it's horrible bosses. I think she's in horrible bosses. Uh, yep. Yeah, she's pretty good. She's also in the Millers. Mm. Okay. It's kind of like a a family vacation movie. They're like in a RV. I think they're trying to smuggle drugs, though, if I remember. It's a crazy movie. She's she's been in some stuff. But, yeah, I agree, dude. I think she missed the mark or may have. I think she kind of, I don't know. I don't know if it's something you post. If you're gonna, do yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. Is it's just you, you, you got to be in, in in 2020. You gotta. You there was can't. nobody. There was nobody else that was like, "Hey, hey, Jennifer, maybe you don't." You know, is there nobody that she has to go to? Like, hey, is this okay? Well, that's the thing. It's like, should she have to do does that? She not run it by. Does she? She have to do that? I mean, I don't know. Like that's, a, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm I just curious. don't think it's even. I, I literally, I think. 
or I mean, maybe I'm just it. way out of pocket, but it's it's. I think if you're you are literally reaching, you are reaching. I mean, the only thing you could even say is that it's a little, it's a little insensitive, right? Um, I don't, I don't know. I just, I just feel like people are people are so willing to spend a lot more time being angry right now than they are anything else, and that's just one of those things. Just the most recent thing to get caught in that crosshair, you know. <laughs> hmm. Poor Jan. Poor uh, Jan. Yeah. So. Yeah. Poor Jan. Just trying to decorate her tree. What did Courtney Cox say? Did she come Sorry. to the rescue? Yeah, she's just getting. Did anybody, any of the friends say anything? What? Did any of the friends say anything? I didn't see anything else past that. That was just kind of the. I just saw that. There was a lot of attention being pulled towards this. It was Got, it. Trending Got it. For a little bit. Cool. <clears throat> uh, so yeah. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to go into your? Do you want to start the current event stuff? Do you want to do the first? Yeah, certainly. Um, so I had a couple of them today, actually. Um, I think the first one that I thought was interesting was uh, Brexit. Is uh, uh, it's hard to say. It's technically, I think, officially going through. They've reached the conclusion of a major trade agreement, which is essentially how England is going to trade and interact mostly with France and a few other critical countries like Germany and stuff like that that are uh, pieces of the EU as they mm-hmm. separate from there. Um <clears throat> And a lot of it has to yeah. do with just the different agreements that um, a lot of the sort of m- trades that still exist in England uh, are fighting for as well, which a lot of it has to do with some some types of machining and industry and a lot of fishing and stuff like that. But there really aren't England. England imports a lot of stuff. They don't really export. They export a lot of services. They don't really export goods or anything anymore because they just everything's been farmed or fished or mined from the island, you know, cause people have been there for so long. Um, yeah, so, I'm kind of, I'm kind of going through this right now. So, um, but that's pretty crazy. Cause I mean, I think Brexit's been, it happened with Boris Johnson, um, basically when Trump took office. So, so it's taken mm-hmm. them about four years to actually get through this. And I think at this point, a lot of people over there are just pretty tired of the whole thing. My aunt Kelly and uncle Richard and my, I have two cousins who live over there and um, they're both, they're both pretty well educated and, um, uh, and have uh, service type jobs. Actually, my, my aunt Kelly is a, a, a child psychologist up there and she, she worked a ton in the public mm-hmm. sector for years. And then, uh, opened up a private practice not too long ago. And, you know, she talks a lot about the national health system they have there, and um, how that's largely stood up by the, the strong economy and strong value of the pound, which it's interesting because England, even though Brexit is happening, it's not like the, they never, they never fully joined the EU. 
EU's economy. And I'm not an expert on the topic or anything like that, but I do think it's 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 really quite interesting um, to see how they've been managing and going through this, and they've kind of reached this point where they're actually going to start trading and acting on their own. And um, I think a lot of it's interesting to hear the differences in opinion. My close friend Chris. Um, who's actually from Denmark was was living there and for quite some time and working there and he's had a lot of interesting things to say and I think at this point most people our age are just like yeah ready to try and move something and move something forward and do something different but then you have a lot of hard line sort of conservative older people who you know are trying to protect protect England and that's kind of been something that England's been going through for quite some time I mean it's the the end of a of a, end of an empire, really, an end of an era, over there. Um, it has and it's been kind of happening periodically, step by step, for the last you know hundred years, maybe more. And then the EU was formed, and England was the was the strongest economy in Western Europe at that time. And then they were expected just to join and like stand up the European Union. And then the a banking collapse of 2008 happened and you know you had entire european countries that went bankrupt entire countries that went bankrupt and you know yeah. a lot of these countries owed <clears throat> england tons and tons of money you know um and, and so it's it's that's it's been crazy and i think it's something that we us in the u.s we just have no idea we have no idea what that's like um the only way i could liken it is our relationship to like canada and in Mexico, where, you know, they, like Canada's a great example of the entire country is stood up by, by the U.S., but they act as if it's individualized, you know. it's like <laughs> The U.S. imports like 75% mm-hmm. of Canadian goods produced and vice versa, right? Like it's it's our – the only reason why Canada hasn't gotten invaded <laughs> – <laughs> in a hundred years is because of its proximity to the u.s you know but in the u.s we just we're very nuclear we're very centralized we have a pretty kind of broad yeah. world ego about us you know and so it's there's a, there's not anywhere near as many countries that depend on us um at least in our face you know and i think tons of countries do and we don't really see that as citizens whereas in england it's much more prevalent because they're on their, they're in their country, they're on their border, you know, at the end of the day, France is, uh, our ferry ride from England, right? You can just be in France. There's a, there's a tunnel that connects England to France, right? Underground, underneath the water. That's so crazy. Drive through, right? So it's, you know, it's right there. There's people that are just driving back and forth every day. It's like, you know, it's a 45 minute drive. So maybe even shorter than that. So um, anyway, I mean, I think I think that's a that that was that was pretty interesting. It's coming to a head, you could say. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> what's interesting to me too, I was kind of reading through some stuff uh, while while you were kind of explaining it, and I found that the there's pe- the, like the migrant, you know, kind of uh, group of people that live in in uh in britain right now they've been allowed to apply for a so-called settled status it says but few provisions have been made for people who cannot complete the process online much less for people who who do not realize they need permission to stay in a country where they have lived for decades and so this article is kind of outlining like this the kind of the the changes and maybe some struggle 
for some people that have been there but kind of fallen through the <coughs> the cracks of like this registration now that has to and it's, it's a new registration or just a the existing registration that it goes on there yeah yeah and, and if people so think that know, that could be that could be interesting you know I don't it know is going to affect people that's it's that's yeah just, it's it's a big deal and the big there's a big problem over there too where honestly they have a huge nationalism issue in england where it's you know it's if you're like scandinavian you know if you're like white european it's cool if you're eastern white european a lot less cool if you're african if you're asian if you're northern african middle eastern right you know it, it you are not they have a big racism problem over there. Um, and it's been that way for a long time. And so a ton of the rules that get created and, and the, the, the system that's built is, I mean, if you think some of the gerrymandering and, and systemic racism is racism is bad in the U S I mean, it's England has been a country longer, three times longer than the U S you know, and, and, um, they haven't been able to control their population density anywhere near as much as well. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's really weird. You hear like, you just, there's a lot of people who complain about, you know, like minor, like migrant minority groups coming in and causing all of these issues, the same thing, the same things you hear here. But when you actually look at the numbers, just like here, uh, you know, it's just, just not, it's just not what they're reporting. There's nowhere near the, the, the same numbers that they try to, fear monger people into believing that are coming over and dollars that these people cost right yeah it's just so it's yeah it's insane it's it's kind of it's kind of sad but you know it's one of those things where it's the the slow churn of time continues to move it forward if it's even if it is a three steps forward two steps back sort of process you know um what's interesting i mean it's it's uh I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see, and watch, watch what happens. Yeah, it's good. If there's if, it, if there's yeah, anything, I think it'd be it's, play out. yeah, I think it'd be really a good use of time to tune in a little bit on that because I definitely think there's some things that we can we can learn on our learn side, especially it. as we try to we we start to begin unraveling um, challenges around police reform um, and continued systemic racism that are associated with individual states rights and these sort of things so because that's a big problem in in england as well it's not a problem i should say but that's a that's a similarity between here and england as well as there's lots of provincial and local legislature that goes into delaying these making these changes so anyway more to come on that um the other one that i wanted to talk about which i thought was it's a little similar kind of vein. I'll try to make it a little less heavy, but it's uh, you know around the stimulus package, and um, I thought it was really interesting how you know there's been this big push to get it done. It ended up being six hundred dollars, which is not a lot of money. Democrats pushed very hard for there to be more money attached to this, and then it's so interesting because the last person that needs to sign this bill to push it through is Donald Trump. Um, who is rejecting it, yep. right? Saying that there needs to be agreeing with the Democrats at this point. 
saying that there needs to be more money to individuals. Which is, I, I kind of just want to. I mean, yeah, that's that's cool. You know, he wants, you know, more more money for for us as citizens. But somehow, I feel as though it's his way of just trying to remain like in some sort of positive light as he's mm-hmm. leaving. Mm-hmm. Like exactly, and he's using that as like a oh, like a kickstand. Like I do, yeah. Like, I agree with it. I think we should have more, you know, aid, of course. And I'm, and I think it's a good the thing that he's sticking up for. I just think that he's going about it just to kind of get some sort of status or something. And it's like, just kind of has like a bad taste in my mouth, you know? It's just like, it's like, of course, you know, it's like. Yeah, well, no, it's so funny too because he's like. Of course, that's what he's going to. Yeah, of course, that's what he's going to say. But instead of actually doing anything about it or, you know, taking any of the technical proceedings to make a decision on it, they just are, they're saying that they've been just trying to get him to sign it, but he's just at his golf resort in Mar-a-Lago, you know? And so I'm just imagining like him like... Yeah, he's just like refusing. Yeah, he's like just... She's like driving down the course aggressively in his golf cart with with Secret Service in tow. And then there's just another golf cart chasing him with all of his aides and they've just got this 5,000 page stack of like paper, Mr. just Mr. like, Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. Mr. President. President. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sir, sir, you need, you need to sign this, sir. He's like, <laughs> he's like, let me, let me, let me finish this hole. Let me, let me sink this putt. And he's just like, <laughs> I can't sign it. I'm about to set a new course record. Wait, yeah. Sir, you're actually negative 45. You want me to sign it? My ball's in the sand. Yeah. My ball's in the bunker. You want me to sign right now? Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm just imagining that they like they got it to Mar-a-Lago on Christmas Eve. And they tried to ripe, wrap it and they like hid it in a bunch of like McDonald's boxes, you know? And so he started, <laughs> he started unwrapping it. And he, he was like... <gasps> <laughs> His eyes all light up and he's super excited. Where's my <gasps> You got me the you got me a hundred piece and then he, he opens it up and it's just a giant stack yeah. of papers with a bunch of pens and he's like ah, and he freaks out and just throws it. <laughs> yeah, the, he sees a McRib and then he goes to open the McRib and it's just like a pen like in there. <laughs> he's like, Ah, oh, I thought it was a McRib. He's just like <laughs> He goes to slurp his diet coke. There's just a pen in the in the instead of the straw. He's just like, why can't I? Every time he <laughs> sign it. <laughs> Every time he turns on a TV, it's just a picture of what he needs to sign. He just just gets so upset. So, hopefully, um, <coughs> that gets figured out because there's a ton of people who who need help. So. Hopefully that gets signed before yeah. the new year. There's also a federal budget attached to that. So it's not just the stimulus package. So by him also delaying this, it could possibly yeah, throw just a lot of federal employees. <laughs> Isn't it like some of it involves like aid to other countries too? Of course. Of course it does. 
Yeah, and help with vaccinations yeah, right, and getting right. vaccines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's another thing. That's it's another a fundamental lot, It's a lot thing. more than just, yeah, there's a lot more going on than just the, yeah. just the, the COVID stimulus. Yeah. yeah, it's like, it's, you know, I think that's another thing people just fundamentally misunderstand about the U.S.'s place and responsibility in the planet. Um, and, you know, like England is in, the, in, in, in Europe where their economy is a big supporting piece and foundation. We are that way to major pieces of the world. Um, we ensure a lot of people, our banks give loans to a lot of people. Our businesses and private businesses have operations internationally. And this stuff is certainly connected, you know? Um, and I think what's all, what's more frustrating too is just someone as a citizen here, I guess, and a taxpayer is I just don't, it just feels so mismanaged sometimes. Um, you know, as someone who, it's not like I have a ton of experience, but I've had to run my own business and run my own business and I've had to run budgets for businesses. And if you're a bud, if you're just even a small business that's taken money from fundraisers, you have to, you have to submit quarterly earnings reports and, uh, Mm -hmm. P and L. Oh yeah, totally. And you have to show where, what you like, whose money came in from where, what it was used for and why. Um, and that's something that I think is incredibly frustrating as, uh, and I think that more people should be frustrated about, but they aren't, they're just, they get more upset about not getting more money from not getting $600 or not getting $2,000 when it's like, you, we don't realize that that money is going to have to get paid back and it's going to be by tax payers. It's not like that money is just created out of nowhere. It's, the, everyone knows the U.S. doesn't just have savings accounts set yeah. up. It's, it's you know, that money's gonna have to get repaid, and it's gonna be by us, mm-hmm. um, whether we like it or not. And, you know, I think I think that's something that's that's tough too. Is is I feel like a lot of the times the both stimuluses they haven't been very well put together. The triple P loans were an absolute nightmare. Um, they went to tons of businesses who did not actually need it and to not enough businesses that did. And there was nobody watching this, right? It was just money coming in, being given away, um, no chain of custody, no reporting, right? And it's nuts. Like I can't, as a person, you can't even, you know, you can't, you can't get insurance. You can't get health insurance without being able to show all of your legal documentation, and the paperwork for you as a fucking person, right? Um, but but we can loan a billion dollars to corporations that are forgivable dollars, right? Um, and not make them show what any of that money was used for. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the stimulus is kind of the same way. It's just, it's an interesting situation. When you saw... Uh, I. I can't remember who his name was pastor. I think it was, was it Olstein? Didn't he get, uh, he got a PPP loan, didn't he? Oh yeah. I yeah. thought that was in the news recently. Yep. One of them. But I mean, that's the thing. There's tons of those businesses did, They're, but that's what I was talking about is we know someone, Serena worked at a bank 
that loaned over $5 million. Okay. They were, they were just filling the paperwork out and being told to push it through. They were not, they couldn't verify documents. They couldn't do doc requests. They didn't have a bunch of the supporting information, right? And they were just, they, anybody that could apply and was able to apply quick enough who, whose accountants were on top of it basically got approved. Yeah. And were given, you know, and were given money. And meanwhile, you've got a ton of people who their whole life is just focused on running their small business, their small restaurant, their small salon, you know? Um, and they don't have the time. Yeah. It's like the, some of their family might work there too. Yeah. Or like they've had their employees for like 10 plus years. Exactly. Basically family to them. And they all, they're a small team. Responsibility. Nobody's a lawyer. No one's an accountant. When you're running a restaurant, you don't really need to be right. It's Mm -hmm. pretty easy to run basic books. As long as you don't have any staff that are hurting anybody. There's no reason you need to have a full-time lawyer. These are all jobs that are very often shopped out. They are part-time consulting hires for many, many small businesses because these are really expensive people to pay full-time to have on staff. Um, and, And that's what you saw was the breakdown, was the people who had these, who had accountants and lawyers full-time on staff were able to quickly and effectively apply and capture those dollars while tons of businesses who are just focused on trying to run their business and interact with their community who don't have these full-time people on staff were not able to access the dollars in the same way. And it wasn't, it wasn't made like there's no support. There's Mm -hmm, no support, right? Right. Mm -hmm. There's, there's, there's no support from the backside. There's no support from the government to be like, okay, well, we released the dollars, but we, we made it so only this percentage can go to businesses that have been operating for 10 years or longer, right? Uh, you know, like there's, there could have been some simple ways, I think, to set it up so that you could at least allocate funds better instead of it just being one giant fucking pool that everybody was allowed to come and drop their ladle into, you know? Anyway. Yeah, I mean, something that something I saw that's kind of in the same... That's something that's kind of recent and cool and isn't this in the same vein as uh Dave Portnoy doing the the Barstool fund. Have you kind mm-hmm. of seen what's been going on with that? Of course. He's raised like he's raised like I think like several million dollars now mm-hmm. for I don't remember, I think the last time I saw it it was fifteen, might be more now. I mm-hmm. think different small businesses. Probably in that area. I think they're all in that area. They might be different. Uh but Still, I mean, <clears throat> the fact that the system that you were, you know, kind of describing doesn't really, isn't really, it wasn't really effective. And then there's somebody like, somebody like Dave Portnoy or somebody, somebody that has, you know, like f- f- friends that he's just kind of like, kind of badgering to help out and they have to go and do it like grassroots it basically to get funding for some of these people. So, it's insane man like it's insane <clears throat> well it's much more of achievable goal i mean don't get me wrong like i'm sitting i'm sitting here talking about the problem but I, 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 it's so easy to call the kettle black right 
I mean, Dave Portnoy, Port, Dave Portnoy <coughs> is able to do what he's doing on a really small scale, and it's effective and it's awesome, and it works because it's on a small, realistic scale that yeah. they themselves are managing, right? It, it I, there's no way you could give him and his team a trillion dollars and say go do this for the U.S. Right? That's just not right. So I, no, I'm not I, saying I'm not saying course. that. I'm just what I'm what I was kind of getting at is that the amount of people and businesses that are that have been just suffering since since like March of this mm-hmm. year, um, and like compared to what's been done is insane and the like people you know kind of going and doing it themselves i think it's cool but it's not it's not it's not going to be the it's not going to solve anything like you said but i think that just the way the government's gone about it has just been really that's not what i was saying what i'm and i'm agreeing with you is what i'm saying what i'm saying is that the it has to be done if it's going to be done correctly it has to be done by multiple small grassroots efforts like that because the challenge is insurmountable for just thinking of it on a national level like that you know i'm not sure how you could release and manage a stimulus package quick enough that was also executed properly right at the same time because i'm just not smart enough to know how to do that yeah you know what i mean i know that it wasn't done the best and i think there are some simple things um like allocation concepts that could have been applied a little bit better but again i'm not you know i'm not holding all the cards so i don't know but what i do there's a lot there's a lot to it yeah there's like yeah man not only are we talking about the you know federal but like each state and just well that's the other tough thing too is you know, you've got there's a lot of businesses in Texas and Arizona and New Mexico and you know, they, yeah. they haven't it's like business as usual. Yeah. You know, and so but then it's the same everybody in the state, every, everybody is allowed to apply. And so it's like how do you solve you know, every barbershop is allowed to apply, but a barbershop in LA that hasn't been open in eight months, but a barbershop in Austin has been basically halfway open, right? And they can both mm-hmm. apply, and and it's, and then it was literally a first come first serve basis, right? It was just whoever when they got their application in. There's no, you know, priority system or organization to it at all. Um, so I, I, yeah, I I hope I hope if anything we try and learn we try and learn from this. I think I think if anything this just shows how fragile. Um, so much of, yeah. And, and I think what's, what's most frustrating is, you know, it's like, I think this has been a pretty common theme I've seen online a lot is this restriction of small businesses, especially in, in, in really it's only in, in certain States where it just doesn't make sense that you can have a safe way open. And on a Sunday afternoon, it's, it's absolutely fucking packed in there. It's packed in there. It's a normal day, right? Everyone just has masks mm-hmm. on. But then you can't, people can't have their salons open or their tattoo shops open, you know? Um, and so I think, I think if there's anything that has to be looked at is there has to be better uniformity 
the next time this comes around because it's like we were talking about at Christmas is thank God this isn't thank God this isn't a disease that has an actual very scary mortality rate like 10% or 15 or yeah. 50 or higher. right yeah, yeah exactly higher. right because what's going to happen is with that if that is something that occurs is the the US is going to collapse because people are more people are more concerned about individual freedom than understanding variable control um, and like yeah and like what's good for the masses yeah because it's i think it's interesting it's you know it's like i feel like i'm saying two things at once right where it's i'm saying that you know businesses should be allowed to be if they're you know it's like if safeway can be open and small businesses should be open but if this was a lot scarier then those things shouldn't be open right so it's i'm not trying to contradict myself i think what i'm but what that's I'm really, kind of that's kind of the argument though i mean yes not, not that not that it's going to get more deadly but that the what if and the slippery slope of having everything open and business as usual and what that would do and what that, you know, what that could create, I think is the argument is like, it's like, how do you, I don't like, how do you, I don't know how you can decide, you know, like, like, I, like the, I can make some assumptions that if there was a blanket system in the beginning where states weren't allowed to make their own rules about it, that the entire curve, that the entire data of this, the the flattening of the curve, would have occurred much more quickly. Mm-hmm. If you look at if you look at South Korea or Japan, right? <laughs> you know, four or five everywhere. T- this is what happens now. You have to do it. Yeah, because this is yeah. yeah. That's been the problem. That has been the problem. Is that you've had so many people are gonna and, yeah and and and, <laughs> and the world doesn't stop. Everybody who's just been traveling from state to state. Everybody's still seeing their fucking family. 20-year-olds are still going out to secret fucking parties and hotels, right? Like, none of it's yeah. going to stop. You're naive if you think any of that shit's going to stop. We had one chance. That was when everybody took it really fucking seriously for the first three months. And there should have been a mm-hmm. blanket system. No, no, motherfuckers. This is the way it's going to happen. Everybody's got to stay home. I don't care if you're in Texas, you're in Alaska. This is what it's going to be. We're going to do it for this long because this is how science works. This is how variable control works. And we can't leave this as a state's rights issue to where you have elected officials, you have elected governors like Gavin Newsom, who nobody nobody gives a fuck about their governor. Nobody even knows who these people are, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they become very, very important people. <laughs> There's a goddamn pandemic. Yeah. And, and they have a ton of power. <clears throat> and now all of a sudden, you're like, well, wait a minute, you know? Who's this guy? Yeah. Who is this guy? And why? And and why can't I have been run? Why can't I, I run was, my yeah, life? Like, I thought it was Arnold. Yeah, <laughs> most people exactly. are like, I thought it was still Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, imagine how what Arnold would have been doing through this. And then, of course, there's no conversation about, hey, maybe um fucking lay off of the sugar. You know, maybe take some more vitamins. Yeah, that's maybe that's exercise been, uh, some more. That's you know? been a constant argument that I've heard, like pe- people like Rogan and uh, others make, is why are we not talking about how to stay uh, like healthy and how like you should be getting healthier and why that's important during this time. Yeah. And how you can do that in your house and how you can be healthy while you're in quarantine. Why is there nothing like that? Why is it just 
Why is it just arguing about whether or not we're going to do it? <laughs> yes. It's, it's like literally the message is be scared, stay at home, don't do anything, be scared. Yep. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, it's, 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 it could be a lot different than that. Um, and the other yeah. thing too is then it just it creates this sense of yeah I just I also feel like COVID's just given it's, it's given so many people who were already ready to virtue signal and ready to try and tell someone what to do just another reason and excuse to continue to do that instead of just like mm-hmm. worrying about themselves and what they have control over it's like we talk about all the time dude you, you know like how much of our how much of your life is going to be spent how much of your emotional energy is going to be spent worrying about other people and shit you can't control and yeah like how much do you focus on that like how, you know like you how spend much? your and then you look around and you wonder why you none of your shit is put together you wonder why you can't get out of your parents' house or why you're still stuck in the same apartment while you're still working at the same fucking job. We keep going back to every time you start saying stuff like this to me, I keep thinking of Dan Pena every time. <laughs> <laughs> That's who you're going to be, dude, when you're older. I literally you're be like, you want to know, know why you're is. all fucked up? <laughs> Google him right now. You don't know who Dan Pena is? No. No, no. way. <laughs> this is totally you, like... This is going to be you when you're, like, older. A hundred percent. Oh, my <laughs> God. Dude, he's insane looking. I can't be this You guy. have to listen to him, dude. It's amazing. He just tells people, like... <laughs> 2020 go Show hard me your friends. Mindsets. I'll show you your future. Yeah. Oh, is that him? Yeah. yeah we don't know why you're all fucked up. <laughs> dude, I... It's awesome, though. Yeah, we might it's be like, very similar. So. No, I just, I'm just, I'm just joking, but, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, you're, you're right. You're totally right. Uh, but I wanted to switch gears because Let's. we've, we've been, you've been hitting it. We've been, um, you kind of some stuff that I didn't really know there. So, uh, you know, that's, it's very interesting and, you know, both with the stimulus and with Brexit, I think it'll be excited to see what happens we'll have to you know i'm sure in the next few episodes we'll see how it plays out we'll probably talk about it and update on it and stuff but i wanted to talk about something a little more uh lighthearted, a little more holiday season yeah esque yeah. uh so there's a mysterious monolith in california made out of gingerbread oh my god in san francisco it appeared what <laughs> no way yeah. it's just like did the aliens make this one too uh, you can just see San Francisco. It's I don't know where exactly it's at. I'm trying to find the uh, article that it crumbled away. It's collapsed. That's uh, amazing. Look at that thing. It's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the people that made it. I don't know who. It's unclear how it got there. That is awesome. But uh, I really I mean, hope I... it was a couple of dudes just chilling. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of smoking weed, passing passing back and forth or whatever, and they're just, yo, like, what if there was a monolith made out of gingerbread? And then they all look at each other like, <laughs> and like light bulbs went off, and they just, like, how do you get that? Gin- those are pretty big sheets of gingerbread. Do you have to? Those are those, bake those are big pink. Yeah, someone. As I was just gonna say, those look like regular like full pan 
so not half pan, but full baking pan. So they like multiple people are making sheets. Like they probably maybe one guy. Half. I mean, look and at that. They're like, all like different like levels of burnt. You know, those are definitely made by mm-hmm. hand. Then you have the. That, I don't know if that's frosting. icing or if it's. I don't I think, think it's, it's icing. It also looks like it's probably that. icing that they mix some. They probably mix some shit into. They probably made some like icing glue with type stuff. Like they probably got creative. It's probably, or it's like caulking or something. I imagine that caulking would have worked well, like white caulking maybe. Yeah, that's what I think it is. It looks like insulation caulking to me. Or foam spray. Yeah, it looks like the foam spray. And then maybe they put popcorn on the outside. Who knows? It's cool though. It's sick. Red monolith. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's um I love the monolith thing that's going around. I mean it's pretty sweet that there's just someone with you know, there's just some like really wealthy person with a helicopter just driving around this metal steel pole and just like dropping it off in different parts of the planet and just freaking everybody <laughs> out. Like that's like literally the shit I'm gonna do if I just have a bunch of disposable cash when I'm old. Is that's exactly you're gonna see you're gonna know it. Anybody listening to this right now in 55 years when you see some shit like that, like a monolith appears in the Sahara Desert, you're going to know that was me just blitzed with a helicopter. (laughs) Uh, They're going to be like, we found a 15 foot tall tower of powdered donuts on Saturn today. It's going to be me. (laughs) <laughs> I was thinking about watching the new Wonder Woman tonight. Maybe. You gotta. Well, Everyone's uh, doing it. I was just gonna say it's like the largest. There was like a it broke records, I think, for something crazy. Yeah, it was really. It was the first time. You know, what's actually really interesting about that is I think, I think people's brains have actually finally switched now to being out of theater releases because Uh it was the first time that I've noticed personally where there's been a major movie release coming out to stream only where multiple different people from different groups, different social groups that I'm attached to have told me that they were actively interested in and were going to be watching it when it came out on HBO max. Yeah. It hit 16.7 million at the box office, which is like a pandemic high. Yeah, and then it was it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool because I knew a lot of like most everyone I talked to, they were like going to be they were like going to stream it on HBO Max. They were not going out to a theater. Yeah, these are all West Coasters. That's interesting. It kind of seems like it might be a like a better experience, or could be like for some people, you know, like it like. If you I have think a big so. group, if you have a big group watching it, it's cheaper, I guess, for you know everybody. Hey, I mean, I like. I mean, I like. I think I like. This isn't exactly. It's not super ideal, but when if you have a nice TV and a nice sound setup, uh, you know, going to the movie theater is just extra i mean yeah the big screen is cool and there's something to be said about watching the movie like with everybody there well and they play it like they play it on 
it's like different. There's something to it, right? It's played on film. Like it's not, it's not digital. Like there's something different. There's like a slight difference to it, I guess. Uh, yeah, and you're in that dark room. Mm. Everybody's quiet. So it like makes you focus on it a little more. Like I think I'd be a little more distracted maybe at home unless it was a movie I really wanted to watch. If it was like a movie that like somebody wanted to watch with me and I was like, all right, I might be on my phone a lot more because we're just at the, at the house. But who knows? I mean, I'm a, I might check it out though. It looks like it it didn't get the best reviews. Uh, it's kind of mixed. Rotten Interesting. Tomatoes is like, yeah, Rotten Tomatoes is like 65%, oh, that's which is okay. Good. I mean, but yeah. I mean, most of the time, Rotten Tomatoes, when it comes to DC, I like kind of have the, I I'm, I kind of feel, I kind of agree with them somewhat, but I'm also like a little more, I think, into it than uh, just because it's DC stuff. So, yeah, for sure. I feel it. Yeah, that'll be um, interesting. Yeah. You have to let me know how you like it. For sure. Uh, should we get into the should we should we get into the last last little segment here last last bit before we wrap? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think today we kind of talked about it. We mentioned it last uh, last week's pod um, when we were talking about why is your weed dry. Uh, we kind of talked about curing in the process, and I kind of wanted to just go over sort of high level with some in-depth detail about kind of the science behind curing and the process and why this oftentimes gets messed up. Um, and you know, you've had a ton of experience with me on this as well. And I think probably together you and I have harvested and dried and cured thousands of pounds together at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we had a pretty good, we were able to develop pretty good systems um, depending on where we were at and what we were doing. And I think a lot of it, you know, it's 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 difficult because some of it you can attach data integers with um, and, and data points to be able to monitor. A lot of it is kind of by feel and by rote based off of your system. Um, but yeah. Let's try to dive in right into the, the first part, which is drying. Um, so I think, you know, there's really two veins of thought on this, which is rack drying versus hang drying. Cal- in California, almost everybody, it's almost exclusively hang drying. Um, you'll see some rack drying at, a, at some outdoor places, but it's, it's impressive the amount of people who have committed to it, um, even throughout the supply chain and through the varying levels of quality stuff. And if you compare this to a lot of other legal states, um, it's a much higher amount of people have hung on to hang drying versus rack drying. And I think it does actually play a pretty big role. And really the biggest difference this has to do with moisture retention um, and then also reduction of agitation. So with moisture retention, it's, it's, you know, when you, when you actually, hang that plant up a lot of people are a lot of people love to claim the pseudoscience of it oh it brings more trichome and thc to the bud and stuff which is a bunch of bullshit once the plant has reached its maturation stage it's not trichome is something that has to be produced it's not just like free flowing through the plant and it's only produced mm-hmm. in certain areas of the plant <laughs> <laughs> it's not like there's just like thc juice that's just running through the veins you know you can just like, yeah 
suck off, you know, <laughs> like a vampire. Um, <laughs> I was thinking of like a a movie where like maple syrup, like a guy's hand gets, you know, like chopped off and then it like reforms into like another <laughs> a weed hand and he just eats it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, it just like grows more because it's yeah. like chopped off. You know, that's not that's not the case. Really. No, it is not. It is it is not the case. So, so when you what you do do what you can do when you hang dry, um, is it actually does pull the excess moisture from the stem through the cola, and what is in that excess moisture can be remaining pieces or remaining components of terpene. Um, and 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 really, uh, what it helps do as well is is it is it it gives a buffering of that additional moisture, so that it prevents what is probably the most common pain point and breakdown in cannabis curing, and that is what I refer to as flashing, which is basically mm-hmm. any time you're either too low of a humidity or too high of a temperature or both. And you break through the moisture barrier of the plant really at any point, whether it be uh, while it's growing, you can flash cannabis, um, but most specifically when it's drying, there's no rehydration afterwards. You can rehydrate organic material just like you can re-moisturize with bovitas and humidity packs with regular food Get and stuff. Get a little bit back, yeah. But it's not the same. It doesn't reabsorb the moisture into those key capillaries and um, components of the plant where they help preserve the flavor. So when you when you hang the plant, it gives additional moisture to help keep the plant from flashing. So you can uh, you can also get great weed on a rack dry as well. It's just once you've actually trimmed that stock off and you have that nug on its own on the rack, you have a lot less wiggle room and really a lot less barrier for mistakes. You have to make sure that if you're rack drying, wherever that room you're drying is in has great climate control storage. Exactly. Yeah. Otherwise your fluctuations are just, you're going to destroy the weed. You're going to, you're going to ruin it. So, Mm -hmm. Once we've decided on a drying technique, really the, 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 the detail and, and the, 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 the real crux of curing is, again, based into this, this flashing component, which is what you're trying to do and the science behind curing is you're trying to get the crystalline matrix of the trichome to form from a liquid point to a solid point within and largely on the outside of the colas and what this does is it traps in and locks in the remaining moisture and terpene content. Mm-hmm. So let's unpack that a little bit. So first off, there's four or more. There's still a lot of research being done. What I know of is at least four main trichome molecule types. And what I mean by that is they're different shapes. Everyone knows of the common one, which is the hair with the bulb on the top that you see all the time the in head, photos. Yeah. Um, and then there's actually four other types. So there's uh, one that's along without the head. And then there's one that's kind of, um, it's like half as tall and, and kind of fatter. And then there's a trichome one that doesn't get tall at all. It just gets flat like a snowflake Whoa. kind of. Yeah. 
and these are actually sort of later forming trichome at least as far as in the molecular stage and so what you have is you need to give time and what i mentioned earlier at the beginning when i started talking about this right is it's to keep the flashing component but the agitation component so this is another reason why hang drying works well for this piece too is because when you hang dry plants they generally go through a lot less wear and tear in that process once they get hung up they get hung and most people don't fuck with it it's not rolling around on a rack it's not sitting and being compressed by its own weight from gravity over time right it's mm -hmm. just hanging in the air um and and so what happens is is you're trying to get these trichomes to form this crystalline structure around the weed and it can't do that if a it dries out too quickly right so it's either too hot or too uh um, dry right so not humid enough yep. or if there's too much agitation and while it's trying to form before it's reached its solid state it just gets broken apart and in that matrix is, um, is, is is essentially fragmented and it's broken um, so so that's so we have two parts right so we've gone through the drying right and then we've got our our trichome crystallization so if 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 you can get through those two pieces correctly right so low and slow is the big one so you want a cool room with low humidity and you ideally are trying to let your weed go for longer than shorter um, and those lower temperatures help keep from that flashing the lower humidities help keep from mold forming because you don't want to drive out all of the moisture there's actually and and Go no ahead. light too. I don't know if you said that yes, already, but I have yeah, not. And make sure it's dark too. Yeah, dark, and that's a critical one. And why is that? You want to keep it dark, just again, you know, like you just mentioned. I think another thing with uh, is to help, you know, with with color, not one, and also to like uh, to help without mold forming. I think um, light might, you know, uh, it also I, I breaks trichome down. Right. Yeah, it breaks trichome down. I was gonna say yeah. that too. I was just gonna say like it's it's just it's just kind of a degree. Like once cannabis has been harvested, light's kind of you know in a quote unquote enemy of of uh, of flower. You want to just kind of keep it in the dark as much as you can because it's exactly. just gonna it's just exactly. not good for. It. There's several reasons why, but uh, yeah, it's just you know in addition to these lower temperatures like he's describing and low humidity throughout. Just yeah, keep it as dark as much as you can. I mean, there might be time where something falls or. Mm -hmm. You have to turn the light on to adjust something, but, you know, try to keep it dark. Also, I've seen people uh, use, like, uh, a green light. Mm -hmm. I think isn't a green light, isn't that, a, like, that spectrum or something it has to do with it being okay for the plant? Like, it doesn't bother it? It's I really just that's the case. Yeah, it's, it's, it's green as a filter type. Um, green light technically is, is less phototropic than other spectrums of light. Um, so it doesn't influence growth. Okay. Um, it's also green is um, the easiest color for the eyes to see. So that's why night vision's green and all that sort of stuff. It's because they use the green mm. headlamps in the dark. It's because your eyes can see that. really well with that. Yeah, exactly. So it's non-phototropic, and then it's great for your for night vision for humans. Um, but yeah, so it's it's so keeping them out of the light low temperature as low humidity as your as your equipment will allow 
Um, and really what you're trying to do is drive out all of the excess moisture with no agitation so that those trichomes can form crystalline structures around the bud and lock in the actual moisture that's necessary to the plant. So this is another thing that's kind of tricky to understand is when we test for moisture in cannabis, there's a difference between just moisture in the air and what we call as water activity. And water activity is what's actually tested for in food and in cannabis. And the reason why is because free active water molecules within organic compounds are what are actually responsible for creating and forming mold and other pathogens. Um, now, why I say that it's free active water molecules because there's tons of water molecules that are bound within the plant as some sort of part of structure or process related to the plant, right? That's how you get weed that's not moldy, but still nice and dense and moist and sticky and smelly, right? Yep. And so it's like, how do you get there? And it, when you say smelly, uh, it doesn't. It smells like like the terpene of, of the mm-hmm. of the flower that it is. It doesn't Not smell like. like uh, I was gonna say it doesn't smell like kind of like a fresh grass or even just kind yeah. of like your like uh, musty kind of like you're in the. That's like a smell that I'll never forget. Really, mm-hmm. it's just uh, the smell of like fresh cannabis. And then how it transitions into smelling like uh, not fresh cannabis. Like weed. Yeah. 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 Or oh, sorry. No, what's cool yes. too, a lot of the, what's cool too is like a lot of different strains will have sort of uh, a varying smell when they're alive. Like when you're in the greenhouse or when you're whatever, you know, indoor, whatever you're doing. Uh, it's cool. I'm sure a lot of people know is that when you, as it dries, it, that kind of that smell changes. And sometimes it changes a lot. Sometimes mm-hmm. it kind of just stays the same, but gets a little more like uh, musty I don't know, or sour. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yep. I was gonna say aged. I don't know how yeah. to. Yeah. And but, a lot of that has to do with just the, the the terpene makeup of the weed initially, right? That's actually mm-hmm. what it has to do, and that's the other thing that this is, is going against you. So, you know, once you once you create that structure and you've locked in the weed, you've driven out the excess moisture so that the water activity has reached a balance and equilibrium within the compound or within the nug that it's in, right? Then you can actually seal it. So, so this is what I was talking about in the reason why everyone's weed sucks in the commercial market is what I just explained is a pretty complicated process and that's just fucking the first couple of steps, right? And then you have to store That's it after properly. going through all the pain of like growing it, growing too, it. You know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's exactly. like, this is step. This is the next, ch- yes. the next kind of like challenge or yeah. <laughs> and there's no, there's, you can only, all you can do is preserve, right? All, there is no improving weed once it's been harvested. There is only preserving and curing and protecting what you grew. And then it just gets yeah. worse, right? So, mm-hmm. so say you nail all of the curing part, and then you now you need to trim it, without overly trimming it, right? And destroying the weed and destroying that compound that we talked about that you spent time building. Um, then you have to store it properly, and so this is a big one too. Is that oftentimes you know people if you're if you have a high, if you have a big grow, you're processing thousands of pounds a month, you know, or usually a thousand pounds a month or somewhere in there. Um, things get missed, you know, people turn a blind eye, you know, 
you, no one cares about this weed the says the same way as you do and it's your own you know um and what ends up happening is is you you get a little careless and you know ideally with weed it it's 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 trying to or sorry i shouldn't say ideally um unfortunately with weed is it's it's its own worst enemy in in trying to preserve itself um and that has to do with the the part we love the terpenes the that gives it that full spectrum aspect and gives it the flavor and and that other addition besides just the cannabinoids that get us high and stuff and Mm -hmm. um these are also extremely volatile in nature and they break organic compounds down over time and then once they degrade and off gas they turn into a different smell themselves as a terpene which is generally not nice (laughs) um and and so you're you're in a you're in a gift and curse situation so you hit this cure point you trim it up it smells amazing but that same terpene that gives it its great sellability and amazing flavor profile is also trying to destroy the weed as well and so the best way to store weed (laughs) 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 is uh generally by doing vac sealing which is removing all the excess oxygen um which the oxygen is responsible for degrading and breaking down those terpenes which are in that process of oxidization are breaking down the organic materials and making your weed turn color and smell bad over time um, and so really what you can do is if you can vac seal it you get all that oxygen out another great way is and what a lot what i'm hoping more of the industry moves to is an inert gas sealing which is this like is nitrogen. how they exactly this is how you get chips and bags at the store this is how they can guarantee mm-hmm. shelf life for a bag of lays for 18 months. Um, and that's because they replace, not only do they pull all the oxygen out, but they, they replace it with an inert gas like nitrogen, which not only acts as a preservant, but it also um, acts as a buffer to where it gives no space for that exchange and that organic compound to break, break uh, down over time. That would be so cool to just have, like, nitrogen sealed packs, like, at a place, and you, for, there's, like, a batch from, you know, that was a really nice batch that you really happy with how the cure came, and then you can just nitrous seal it and store it, like, somewhere, you know, Mm -hmm. like, cooled, and then a while later come back to it, and it still has that, probably similar. It's tough. uh, It's, that's the shitty thing with with inert gas sealing is once all of the nitrogen has been used up, the breakdown process happens even more rapidly than it does in an organic. There's nothing there except for like the ambient, like exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oxygen, Uh, the neutralized nitrogen. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. is going to even accelerate the, the breakdown process. So if you do nitrogen gas sealing, you have to, and you want to store long term. Then you need to have after about six to eight months, you need to refresh the nitrogen inside, and you need like to do that. Open it and reseal, reseal it, it. Basically, yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, I would. I haven't had the ability to because, just frankly, it's there's not a lot of weed businesses where they even have R and D set up. But I, I would love to do this in the future someday, which is actually run a long time frame at least a two-year side-by-side of vac sealed 
in climate versus control like versus inert tech. gas. Yeah, versus jar tech versus inert gas, and then just run it and and see what and see what happens over time. Just get the same bats, do it all the same way, way, and then as soon as it's done trimmed, just parcel it off mm-hmm. and and then monitor it for for like two years. Uh, one thing I kind of wanted to mention, kind of get back to the, uh, like the storing of it properly. You said while trimming, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that. Uh, I think that's something that is kind of overlooked because you think it's dried now, so it's done, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's done drying, so now it's good. Now you can just be hand- like, yes, you can handle it, but you want to, you know, you still want to try to, you know, only have it out while you're working on it and then keep it, you know, keep it, uh, try to put it back in your dry room if you can that, that with that same, like, Mm-hmm. temperature and moisture and like humidity so that it's cause it's going to continue to just cure bait like this whole time mm-hmm. it is like the whole time it is I, I, mm-hmm. I, I just uh, it's something that I don't I think is kind of a miss it's kind of a misconception just like it's once it's done drying that it's done and it's just going to continue to off get like while even while it's packaging mm-hmm. like while it's being packed and then while like it's in those jars it's just up until the point you burn it in your pipe or your bong or whatever, <laughs> it's, it's you know it's, it's ruined. It's, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. going. <laughs> yeah, weed weed doesn't store. You're not gonna see, like you're never gonna see vintage cannabis. It just doesn't work like that. You know, at least not yet. They haven't figured out how to, because it doesn't age like wine does. You know, That's I mean, the, you had there was a batch of something that you had. Like, had a little bit of, and you held on to it for a while. Was it weed? And yeah, it was like one of the first uh, cuts of something. I think it's probably the you pink had cookies. A little bit of it. You had a little bit of it, but you held on to it, kept it in a jar, like in the. And I remember you kept it, like you know, stored away, like mm-hmm. never took it out, never really mm-hmm. opened it. And I remember it still having like. Still having the nose, it was you know it was obviously you know had not the same had degraded, yeah. but it was it was like probably the longest I had seen weed like still maintain that like a good smell for how old it was. And yeah, it was just like you basically just put it in a jar and stuck it in a dark corner and didn't touch it for a long time. It was like, yeah, <laughs> just it's just sitting in that jar, just like holding on. <laughs> and some you know, and again, like so it's uh, some some terpenes are more volatile than others. Um, uh, so like you know, just the just the differences in in fractions of a percent of too much excess moisture can be the difference between it souring in in two months and souring in four months, right? I mean, it's that. And souring is a distinct like it all, like bad that's sour just a smell yeah. that you, like I've just come to know mm-hmm. come to know that I kind of wish I like. <laughs> It's just like a side of weed that you're like, oh man. Like yeah. when you open a bag, it all, it's just, yeah, just looks old like weed all smells weed. kind of the same. It's just like that, yeah, that bag sour just. Yeah. And it's, and that's uh, like, it's literally what it is, is it's the first, fo- it's the first stages of very, very common molds like botrytis and botulism. Um, that are starting to f- starting to form on that dried compound. It's the same reason why it sounds. That's the reason why it smells like lawnmower clippings. Is it's the the start of that that mold mm-hmm. starting to rapidly break down. 
that organic compound is the smell of that off gas. So, um, so, you know, in, in essence, I think, um, you know, what you're trying to do is, is low and slow, hang your weed. Don't mess with it when it's ready to come down, you know, seven to 10 days in a 60 degree room. Ideally it's below 60% humidity and then you trim it up and then try and burp it until all of the excess moisture has really gone away. Um, and you can see this because it will form on the, out, on the back. Um, when you're actually going through that burping stage, you can see that excess moisture form. Um, and then vac it, vac it, keep it in that same 60 degree room, keep it in the dark and you should be able to hold on to weed for a very, very long time. Um, it'll the weed will tell you when it's done yep yeah uh which is i mean the, like it's f- kind of funny to say but it it's true like when you you're going through and you're burping it and you're kind of feeling it mm-hmm. like there'll be there'll be that one time where you open the bag and it kind of just smacks you in the face yep uh yep. hopefully uh and it just smacks you in the face and it's just like this like you you just recognize that's you know that weed smell and that's when, you know, that's when you need to, like Mikey described, um, vac seal or whatever you can do, whatever you have, get it sealed uh, and, you know, keep it in the, keep it in a, in a dark room or keep it in, in like totes or something. Just keep it, you know, away. Yep. Don't have it just out. Yeah, I think that's the biggest one I see too is people, like you, you literally can't leave it in the sun. No. Like I wish that the, uh, like I wish turkey bags would start coming out just black. They should. They should like they should just be black. Like I don't yeah, know I mean, why we, I don't know why turkey bags are clear. Like you want yeah you want to see the weed and see the pounds, but really they should be dark or yep. you, like there should never be weed should never really be in a clear bag. I don't think. I, in my opinion. I, I agree. I agree completely. I think. Um, like jars should be black. Like I don't think, I I don't think there should be windows on bags. Like I I, <laughs> I just this is just how I, I think we just should just you shouldn't be able to unless you know that's why they have those display cases at the dispensary. You know, you're gonna we're gonna ruin you know some of it for display, but I think you shouldn't be able to see it. You're you're we're hitting we're hitting on like one of the most common oxymorons I think that exists. You know, in cannabis is that literally the the everything that it you do by wanting to see it ruins the weed but there's so much variability in cultivation that like i wouldn't buy like i won't buy most weed without being able to see it first without being able to see it first yeah you know <laughs> so it's it's like yeah I think, I think i think you're right i think what there needs to be is there needs to be as much quality control and as much uv limitation up until the point of sale and there should be the same thing at the point of sale. But I think at a certain point, you know, um, you have to, as a consumer, you need to be able to see it at some realm. Um, but I think yeah. you can, I think there's a way to do the, there's a best of both worlds, right? You know, having a display case that doesn't sit in giant in front of a giant fucking window. <laughs> True. <laughs> right? Or having some sort of display that like, they do see, they do point six. where, it's in a jar. You open it and you can look at it, and then close it. You know, for the consumer or something. Uh, yeah. Or, or, or have here's like a pictures. thought. Fucking 
get a glass case and you just have one or two of the viewing windows have a 2x magnification on it there's just slide peepholes yeah you just you know the whole window is magnified so the the weed you just put the weed two inches away from it and it just looks like a giant blown up nug you know anyway Mm -hmm. there's i think there's tons there's tons of ways to do it i think I, I don't think I think it's gonna be a while before you see retailers really getting interesting and differentiating it because at the end of the day weed sells itself. Most consumers don't fucking care. And a lot of yeah. it is because they aren't educated enough on the topics to be able to go to their brands and go to their retailers and ask for differentiation. Right? The same Well they way. haven't experienced the difference. Exactly. I think a lot of people I think that's what a lot of people like when we talk about you know, all this attention to detail that we've been describing. Yep. Uh a lot of people have only had you Mids. know weed the other way or they only ever, yeah, they not only the other had. way, but they haven't like they haven't really experienced something that has truly had that attention to detail all the way through to the end. Exactly. And so they and, don't and really know. A lot of people don't care. Right? Yeah, true. You know? It's uh, I know I know <laughs> I, I know tons of people where even if they had the money, they're never gonna buy a hundred dollar bottle of wine. Right? True. Um, they're just not going to do it and they're just, it's just, they just don't fucking care. They're not small. Yes. They don't like wine that much, you know? Um, and so I think that's, I think that's something that's, that's very real too, is, is for consumers like you and I, where weed is a part of our whole livelihood and it's a part of our profession and we're consumers and we care about all of the details about it and we want to know about it. This is like critical information to us, you know, mm-hmm. there's gotta be a way to bridge the gap. And I think that that is just something that happens over time where it's, there has to be a way and there will be a way where we, cannabis consumption becomes so normalized that because it's like, you remember growing up, right? You remember your interest. Someone was, you had family that was drinking wine. It looked fancy. It was cool. Everybody wanted to do it. You were like, what is that? And then there was just things that people told you about wine, right? Oh, good wine doesn't have legs, right? You need to let your wine breathe. Um, these are the best brands of wine. And, and it's, these, are just, these were just common things that even if you were scratching the surface on wine, you would know about because wine had been around for so long and so many fucking people drink it that these are just yeah. these are just become part of the conversation, right? None of that exists around cannabis yet, right? It's not like when people are it's it, it, no one's smoking joints around the table and kids are asking about it and everyone knows that oh well this stuff is going to be mids because it came from outdoor and fucking humble and it wasn't dried correctly, right? And it's like a 50-50 you, you know, less, you got to like, you got to trim to <laughs> yes, nug ratios. Yes. And over here this was hand rolled by your dad and it's for some fucking fire ends <laughs> that were harvested yeah. a month ago, you know. So it's and it, it is, smells good when it's burned. Exactly. Yeah. But you can always yeah, you can tell like good weed doesn't have that kind of skunky uh I don't know what you know what I'm talking about when you kind of have weed that's not the best. Whenever it burns, it always has that similar kind of skunky burnt smell. Yep. Yep. Like there's definitely a difference when you have some nice stuff that's when it burns, it kind of 
It smells. It smells good. It's, totally. It, well, it doesn't. Well, I mean, it might smell. It might not smell good to somebody that doesn't fucking yeah, smoke weed. It smells like burnt ass weed, but it's different. Yeah, it's a little different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, dude. Fucking weed, man. It's. It just doesn't want to be good. You got to make it good. It is. Everything's not, trying to ruin it. It does not want to be. Yeah, good people weed. just. People got to understand the moment that thing flips into flour. It's going to take 12 to 16 weeks to get to you, okay? Mm-hmm. And everything is trying to kill it. And also, it can get messed up in the processing phase uh, as well. And you lose, like, you know, they'll be, you'll see the, you know, somebody, will, you know, once that weed will be like, man, this looks really nice when, when it's growing. You got big, mm-hmm. you know, nice colas, smells mm-hmm. great. And they, and they show you the pounds after it's been processed. You're like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. This is the same. Mm-hmm. This is this is that same weed that I mm-hmm. saw last time. Like I, yeah, that's that's. I mean, it's unfortunate, but that is something that happens. And uh, yeah, it's it's just you know not like the could be machine trimmed and you lose some of that structure or it has like cut marks on it. Like that's the first thing I notice whenever I look at like some weed. It's just see when people like actually cut well that's also yeah that's like an heirloom that like super tight trim thing too is like an heirloom cali thing back from the day when they used to everyone used to grow with plant growth regulators and hardeners and so the the nugs would just come out like i remember these back in the good old days when i was buying exotics is you wouldn't buy it unless it rocked in the jar. And what I mean by that is back in the day, (laughs) the the really heady (laughs) stuff, like it was so dense that it would sound like rocks in a jar when you would run, you would, when you would just wiggle the Mason jar with the nugs inside of it, you could hear them Mm -hmm. clinking. And that's because they literally wouldn't flush it. And they would have so much, so much nutrients still in it that it was fucking rock solid from hardened salts in the weed and they had to they would just trim it so fucking tight because i said oh you would just get these rocks and that was like the super exotics of the day back in the day and there are some nug there are some genetics that can come out hyperdense like that that was the beauty about cookies yeah, I was gonna, yeah that's what i was gonna but they don't stack that. the nug they don't form cola that's connected you don't get big old snapple bottle Nugs, ping pong balls. You get little golf balls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, but they turn into little stones, especially if you don't flush it. So, anyway, but yeah. So the moral of this story, everybody, weed is trying to be ruined, and commercially, post processing and curing weed is something that a lot of people don't spend a lot of time on. They don't have good infrastructure set up to support it. and you know this is the different the the when people are paying attention to the detail on this these are the critical differentiating factors between a $35 eighth and a $70 eighth is the $70 eighth is not only a good genetic could be the same wedding cake that 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 $30 eighth is going for but it was the attention to detail in the grow room it was the attention to detail in the tr- in the trim room in the drying in the harvesting in the curing all the way through the packaging and the attention to detail in the distribution, the time frame that it took to get from the distributor to the retailer, and the sell-through rate at the retailer. 
the really good brands have people like like us on staff who spend their entire work week managing these intricate pieces of this supply chain to try mm-hmm. and get you the freshest eighth as possible, right? That's why that's why there are $80 eighths out there is because it truly costs that much time and extra money to be able to get you that really good weed. And unfortunately, consumers in California were spoiled rotten during the medical days, like we talked about last week. Spoiled rotten. Yep. Because you could get fresh weed out of store five days after it was cut or five days after it was trimmed, you know, or less or even same day. Right. So, um, yeah. Anyways, I think we can wrap it up there. Yeah. We did kind of a little longer today. Yeah. Sorry about uh, that. No, no worries, dude. I wasn't like, uh, it's not a bad thing. I was just saying, uh, I looked at the time. I was like, Holy crap. Time flies when you're really having fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll probably have to try to do this this New Year's episode, hopefully. I uh, had a good time hanging out on Christmas, and this was a fun episode, too. I learned a couple of things um, that I did not know, which I think, like, happens almost every time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was fun. Uh, I'm sad that the gingerbread monolith fell down. And, Me, too. Uh, hopefully Jennifer Aniston doesn't get too much hate. No, dude, but, the queen, leave her alone. <laughs> all right man it's always a pleasure 